Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We made this. a podcast all about the Marvel Universe for the We Made This Podcast Network. I'm your host this week, Tony Black, and in this episode, we are going to be discussing the fourth episode of Disney Plus's series Marvel's What If. And in this case, the What If is What If Doctor Strange Lost His Heart Instead of His Hands. In this alternate universe, Doctor Stephen Strange loses the love of his life, Christine, in the car accident that in our universe led him to lose his hands and go off and train in the mystical arts. But poor old Steve can't cope with this and he keeps attempting to go back and change time to save Christine, leading to the cosmic self-destruction of his own mind, body and possibly even the entire universe. So... Joining me to discuss this episode is my guest this week, uh, Robert Turnbull, who is my co-host on our recently launched We Made This uh, British sitcom podcast, You Have Been Watching. So, doing a bit of moonlighting this week, Rob, aren't we? Yeah, I was really confused. I, I, I got all confused and I was like watching this whole Doctor Strange. I was like, this isn't funny. Where's, where's, the, where's the laugh track? I was like, what's going on? Yeah. I've been tricked. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a particularly not funny one either. Like, you know, it's not like it's a, a bit of a romp version of what if this, you know, some of the earlier, some of the previous episodes have had bits of comedy. This is pretty dark stuff. So we're really... Um, it is quite dark, yeah. Yeah, we're really slipping into an, an alternate universe here, um, for real, in order to, to come on and talk about what if. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're, you're a big comics guy, aren't you, really? I mean, are you, are you a bit more DC than Marvel, would you say? I no, you know what? It's like I mean, we've we've got less than an hour to do this, so I'll I'll try and answer that question really, really <laughs> in a quick way. So, like as a comics guy, I'm I'm probably I'd like to say I'm equally both. Um, I was probably in my heart of hearts, I'm probably a little bit more DC in terms of my core characters, my favourite characters, and 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 the writing. Um, but I'm a huge, huge Marvel fan. I think and Marvel is I just think has got a, a wider um, spectrum of storytelling, at least traditionally, you know, growing up, where you know, in terms of, of DC, and so the what ifs, I I adore what if, 
you know, just the, the comic what ifs. There's some amazing what ifs in, in the comics. Um, so I, you know, I'd like to be fair, to be fair, I'd probably traditionally say that I was a DC guy, but I'm, I'm Marvel DC all the way. Yeah, I, I, I'm a bit more Marvel, I think, than, than DC in a way, but I, I, I it's, there's not much in it. They're both great, but I think, I think, I think you're right about what if, I mean, you know, I talked a bit about it when I was on the, the primer for this series, but it's so far, I think they've really captured the essence of this these comics really well in the in the first four episodes i've i've been consistently impressed by them to be fair and and i i think i think some are slightly stronger than others but i mean overall before we sort of talk about this episode what have you been your impressions about the first three beyond this have you been enjoying what if so far i've really been enjoying it as a series i if i was going to absolutely nitpick and there have only been three well now four episodes um it's perhaps not as out there as I think what if has the potential to be. But also it's like that's I'm probably being being unfair because when I read a what if comic, even the older ones, you know, they're based on kind of like 40, 50, 60 plus years of, of comics. Whereas these, of course, are very focused on the mm. MCU, uh, which is not a bad thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a really good thing. So for me, I kind of, you know, the, the second episode... I really enjoyed because for me that was almost the most what ify episode that they've done so far. But that's not as a detriment to the other episodes. So I think I think these are uh, overall. I really like it, and I think that it's a it's a very good MCU what if. But there is a little bit of me each episode. I'm kind of like yeah, but go a bit more what if. Go a bit more what if. Mm. But generally, I I've really I've really enjoyed it. I'm really liking it. I think it's fantastic that the MCU has got to a point that they can now make a show like this. That's the thing. I, I never thought we'd get a what-if TV show, so it's, I love it. Well, I, th- I think you've, you've hit on a point here that I've, I've been thinking when people have talked about how maybe it's not, it's, it's not out there enough. And you know, I would argue, jumping ahead slightly, that this, I think, edges towards what, they are, what the possibilities for this show are, this episode particularly. But I think they have to acknowledge that you know the majority of people watching this show are people who have come in i I, i'm one of them essentially even though i am reading a lot of the comics now and going into the the law i I started with the mcu really you know in many ways with a bigger interest in marvel and i think the majority of people watching their knowledge base does not extend to the deep dive lore of the comics and i think if they'd done what if yeah what if stories that were really wacky and out there and strange and deep dive Marvel, I think people would have just been really either turned off or just confused. Whereas I think I think they understand the slight deviations that they've done. They understand things like Peggy Carter as Captain America, essentially. They understand T'Challa in space, and I think I, I, I think it, it's a clever thing because yes, okay, they maybe are safe stories, but they're stories that are they're understandable for fans. And they're like they're almost like a reward for fans for getting this far. You know, you've got you've been here ten, twelve years. Uh, you understand all the references. You understand all these inversions. You understand that Thanos is like a good guy who's just quite you know going. Oh well, my plan was quite good. You know <laughs> that kind of thing, which is just brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I think there's there's stuff 
I think they've got the balance quite right for me. You know, I think I think they have to appease both of those audiences really with this. Yeah, I mean, I think you've nailed it there. It's like, I, uh, you know, there's the, me as a, like you know, sort of an old school comics fan. The, there's a part of me that would love to see just the bizarre, crazy, out there what if. But yeah, you're right. You can't you can't do that in this show because this is this is a show for. MCU audiences it's a show which is feeding into the MC you know the wider MCU story so I I think that they've generally got you know they've pitched it right I think you know there's there's not been an episode where I've actually been disappointed I haven't at any point gone oh that wasn't really very what ify you know they they it and yeah definitely this fourth episode that we're going to dig into in a second and the third sorry the second episode um are the most out there what if style although actually i adore the f- the first episode in its sort of the simplicity i quite like a very simple what if as well which there are in the comics you you know very simple what if spider-man was in the fantastic four what if the fantastic four had each other's powers you know it's like what if peggy carter was was captain america or captain britain i mean i've wanted to see that on screen i basically i just, I, I just love peggy peggy anything what what if Peggy was every I had every power? What if Peggy did everything? Let's have that as a series. Actually, sod the rest of it. What if Peggy was was the MCU? I, I I am eternally like disappointed in the fact that I didn't really get I didn't really jive with Agent Carter as a series because it was it, it for me that would I, 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 I she's great I agree but I didn't really care for that show. And, and I really think there's so much untapped potential with Peggy. And I think you, you see that a little bit. You saw that a little bit in that first episode. Although I did say to, I did say to my wife, I said, you know, she's, why is she not Captain Britain? You know, because she's got the shield. Why is she Captain Carter? And I think it's because they're saving Captain Britain for down the road and they don't want to confuse people. Oh, definitely, yeah. But there's been rumours that Henry Cavill has been talking to the MCU. So people have been saying, oh, is he going to be Captain Britain? Is he going to be Brian Braddock? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is, this is, I think, I mean, I think Captain Britain is definitely on the horizon somewhere. Yeah. Let's move on and talk then about, about what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands, which is quite an evocative title. This, this was, there was a leak of potential story storylines for the for the first like eight or nine what ifs a few weeks ago, and the fourth one just had Sorcerer Supreme on it, and it was Doctor Strange. Turns out that it's been quite it's been correct in this case, and I'm wondering if that will be the case for the rest of the story. I won't reveal them on this podcast in case people don't want to be spoiled, but but yeah, I, I was I was expecting Doctor Strange this week, I have to say, and I I I certainly wasn't disappointed. I I think this is. I do think this is the strongest episode to date. And I, I, if you'd have asked me that last week, I would have said that the one with T'Challa as Star-Lord was the best of the of the three so far. But I think this one tops it for me. What did you make of it? And what, what would you what would you give it a score of out of 10? Well, I I almost agree. There's, there's one little caveat which actually really, really holds it back for me. But I'm probably going to... I'm, I'm going to sort of unravel my own argument though um, <laughs> and sort of prove myself <laughs> prove myself wrong on it i think that there's a there's a huge part of this episode which which kind of leans into that what if and it goes big and it goes huge and it goes crazy but for me so i i guess what we do out of 10 i mean i'd give it a 9 out of 10 I'd give it a 9 out of 10, but I'd probably give episode 2 a 9 out of 10. Mm. And each of them have lost that one point for different reasons. 
Right, okay. Okay. Do you want do you want to tell us what it is now or when we're further down the road? What you what you what you No, is? you know what? Like so yeah, so for me like there's a there's a big elephant in the room on this episode which is Christine. And there are sort of there are two factors to it for me. The the first one is that it basically she gets fridged and it's a real shame that such a good episode comes off the back of such a cliche comic book trope. That said, I think that to be fair to the MCU, and I'm talking the MCU in, in particular rather than comic book movies or Marvel movies, but the MCU have actually been quite good at not going down. The, you know, they, have, they haven't done that kind of like cliched fridging do you want to do you want to explain line. what fridging is just so, briefly in case anyone hasn't heard of it of course sorry yes yeah yeah so so um fridging refers to um a particular incident um in a, a a dc comic where a character was motivated um by his girlfriend um being murdered and left in his right. fridge okay yeah and it basically ref- so it now has become sort of like colloquial slang and it refers to um, a male character being motivated by the murder of a uh, female character that he loves yeah so that's that's the kind of the, the core and it's one of these things so it's really difficult for me because it works very well in this story and it actually as a, as a story beat you know the murder of a loved one can be very evocative and it works very well and it can be very uh, emotional, it can be very emotive, and it, it can work really well. But unfortunately, it's such a trope that even when used well, even when used effectively, it kind of jumps out, and you go, "Oh, that's a shame." So that's that's sort of like it's a tiny sticking point for me on this, and it's it's a difficult one because I don't think they use it badly, and I think it can be used effectively. But it's just you sort of you see, you watch the episode, and and it just kicks off, and it's like boom, the biggest comic book trope out there that frustrates everyone is like bang so male character female character he loves gets killed and that's that's what motivates him so it, it's it unfortunately is a bit of a sticking point i think it, it it's a shame really in what is mostly a brilliant episode well it, i'm glad you brought it up because i'll confess i hadn't thought of this and it's i, I i'm familiar with Frigin. It's not something I've thought about for quite a while, to be honest. And this is my own, you know, I'm critiquing myself, essentially, because maybe I should have been aware of this. And I'm sure other people will have picked up on, on this, what you're saying. So it's an interesting point, actually. And it is it is an important thing to highlight because it there is a there is cliche to it. And it isn't necessarily the best foot on which to begin a story. So, yeah, that's I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I, I am, because you you're probably not the only one thinking this today. Yeah, and I, you know, I've got to say, you know, without unraveling my own argument, like I say, I do think the episode is done really well, and I do think it's done effectively, and I even think that the, you know, the the killing of a loved one is is a, a narrative trope that can be used well. I don't think that it's it's not like a complete no no that you should never ever use. Mm. Yeah, without repeating myself, I think they do it very well here. And it doesn't really spoil the story for me. It doesn't spoil the narrative for me. It was just a little bit disappointing to see it when when I feel like the MCU have been quite good at avoiding it. Yeah, they have really. Yeah. And I mean, the whole premise of the episode, I guess, is built on the tragedy of Doctor Strange 
in a different way. And uh, it, it, it's the, the flip side of it, I suppose you could try and argue, is that it's symbolising his his love for Christine. But there's a, there's a couple of things to this. I will, I'll come to it in a sec. The, 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 what I would, just to finish, I would say is, I would give this about a 9 out of 10 as well, generally. I think I would probably have given the T'Challa episode a solid 8 out of 10, which is very, very high. So yeah, I would I would edge this towards to, to a 9 out of 10. I, I had a couple of little tiny narrative issues that maybe stops it being, a, a, a you know, even higher. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I, uh, although I'm, I'm I hesitant to give anything 10 out of 10, really. I try and avoid 10 out of 10s as much as possible. Uh, with with very few exceptions, but yeah, I'd say this is yeah. If you give them ten out of ten, they yeah. start trying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I I I would say a solid nine out of ten for this. I think it it really does display what not just what the animation can do. I mean, I kept thinking all the way through this. So much of this they wouldn't have been able to pull off in live action, you know, in in the same way, or it would have been. You know, they really go for it at points. I mean, particularly when you get to the end where Doctor Strange has been alive for centuries and he's this morphed, weirded out, you know, monstrous version of himself. Yeah, it, it, and it's 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 pretty horrifying. I mean, this this episode, I think, really does suggest... I mean, Sam Raimi has been talking about how Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness next year is going to have a definitive horror vibe at points. Um, you know, of the kind that he's done with a lot of his movies, you know, that he's best known for. And I'm, I, and there were points of this that I definitely got that impression, you know, and it, it, it did lean into some really sort of body horror, quite ghoulish stuff. And it, and it went darker than any What If has done yet. So I think I really appreciated it for that fact. And it was really imaginative and inventive and, and bizarre at points. And, and I, I mean, this, this, I think this, if you had little children watching this, I think they'd be a bit scared to be honest, at points, particularly at the points where, you know, Doctor Strange is absorbing the powers of all those, of all those monsters, yeah, think... you know, because it's really rapid fire and he's, it's really intense and they're all going, and it's quite, you know, it is a bit chilling at points, this episode. It's conceptually scary as well, especially, you know, for like, you know, younger kids or, you know, even for us as adults watching it, it's, it's not just the visuals, which I agree. I think the, the animation is like next level. It's like off the scale what they achieve with the animation style in this. But yeah, it's like the concept of what he's doing, especially someone who we have seen as a hero before. Um, you know, even within within the, the lead up to this, we've seen him as such a sympathetic, tragic character. We're kind of with him. And then we have this this sequence where he is, he is 
you know, all, almost sort of cannibalizing these these living creatures. It's 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 a horrific concept to observe as well. It's it's horrible, but in mm. a in a wonderful way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite nightmarish. So, yeah, I appreciated the episode for a lot of that. To be fair, so yeah, I I, I got a lot out of it. I, I really did, and particularly how brave it sort of ended things as well. And we will get to that later. Let's talk then about, we're not going to go through this and pick scene by scene or anything, but let's talk about the Doctor Strange and Christine stuff, because I think there's a couple of things. Well, for starters, for me, the whole point of this is to remind us of Christine in the first place, because she's coming back for, Rachel McAdams is coming back in the part for next year's film. We haven't seen her or heard of anything about her since the first Doctor Strange movie, which is now 2016, I think. So it's, it's like five years ago. I have to say, I, I genuinely think that film is the one of the least remembered films for, for me, in my memory, of the entire MCU. I think I've watched that so few times. And maybe I've seen it twice, because it was only after the later appearances of Doctor Strange, particularly in stuff like Thor Ragnarok and then Infinity War onwards, that I really started to get invested in that character. I didn't really feel that in the first Doctor Strange when I first watched it. And I think when I go back and rewatch it, which I will be doing in the next few months, I think I'll get much more out of that film actually this time round because of what how 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 well he was characterised and and played later on and developed. And I feel like this is designed to remind us of Christine. But what I think is a bit of a uh, uh, it's hard to sort of buy into in some senses is that because we haven't heard anything about her for five years. We've suddenly got to lock into the idea that actually Doctor Strange is in love with this woman and probably still in love with this woman. And when we go back to the Multiverse of Madness, I'd assume Baron Mordo or Scarlet Witch or whoever is going to put her in danger at some point. And Doctor Strange is going to try and save her and all this. I guess that might happen in some way. Is it a bit of a reach? I mean, are we supposed to sort of yank back into the memory? Because for years, Doctor Dan, Doctor Strange has been the quite irreverent cosmic being who's helped him out against Thanos and all of these big things, you know, be helping Spider-Man out soon, or by the look of it, completely fucking everything up <laughs> in Spider-Man soon, according to the trailer. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like it's a big jump for us to suddenly remember how important Christine was to him. So it was for me a bit, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that the episode is... I think it's being a little bit cheeky, to be honest. I think that it's almost like a little bit of a... A little bit of a backtrack because I, I, so I really like the the Doctor Strange film, but I know exactly what you mean. It's like Doctor Strange has has been around a lot. He's been in a lot of films and involved in a lot of big stuff, but all in this kind of like you know this small supporting or you know, end game kind of stuff, mm. um, rather than his own movies and his own sequels. And it's really interesting because, in in his own film, the character of Christine is. It's a weird character mm. that I mean, like, like the majority of that. Basically, Rachel McAdams sells the character uh, because she's great and she's incredibly charming and she's very likable. Um, but in that film, she's actually kind of his best friend. Like the idea that he's in love with her, um, I I actually feel is a bit of a is a bit of a jump because in the one film that we've actually seen her, it's more kind of like. They did date for a while. It didn't really work out because he's such a dick. But actually, they seem like really good friends. Like she, And that was sort of like the dynamic that I come away from with that movie. 
and we haven't really and yeah because we've not seen her at all since so we've not seen anything to suggest that this is the love of his life no no exactly so so yeah and and, and so in this episode it's like again this was my sort of my my second slight gripe is that we're thrown straight in and it's like the, the very title you know what if doctor strange lost his heart rather than his hand and it's like well was he that in love with her like the it's not we're starting from a, a universe where he is in love and he's made it work. And it's mm. like, so what's different about him? What's different about Christine that it worked out in this, in this universe? But that's, you know, that is for another day. But I think what they're doing is they're kind of saying, oh, yeah, no, he really loves her. He goes to the end of the world and back in this universe. So when we come back to the next instalment in our universe, they can go, yeah, yeah, remember, in what if he absolutely loves her? So I think they're kind of cheating. I think they're trying to fill in the gaps a little bit. And so I do think it's a bit it's a bit of a stretch that because it's a what if, it's a lot easier to kind of go, OK, yeah, well, in this universe, it all worked out for them. And I think you're right. I suspect that even some of the diehard MCU fans who are watching this show have probably watched Doctor Strange least. Mm. Uh, I mean, I love I love the Doctor Strange movie, but I know that actually it's it's also not necessarily one of the most highly regarded or, or, or favourites. So I think the, I think that this this is asking it's like it's, it's implanting false memories. That's what this yeah. is. This episode's yeah. gaslighting us <laughs> to grief. Yeah. So we all come up. We all watch this episode. We go into the next Doctor Strange thing. It's like yeah, he loves Christine. Yeah. Remember what it? I do. It's like, yeah, remember that yeah. film? They're just buddies. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. I think you're right. I think that's exactly what he's trying to shortcut a little bit. I think because I mean, and, and, and let's face it, I can't imagine Christine is necessarily going to be the highest thing in that film. I mean, that film looks like it's going to be pretty packed with stuff going on, you know, that movie. There's going to be a lot in that, I suspect. Oh, I can't it's wait. It's going to be yeah. brilliant. I mean, it feels like it's shaping up to be almost like the um, the, the first Civil Warish kind of event of this, of this um, you know, this phase, in a way, you know, in the sense that it's going to bring in multiple different characters from different points, I think. Um, maybe even ones we don't know about yet. But I, I think that it's going to be quite a big deal it bothered by the sound of it and it's sort of going to underpin what they've started to layer in with the multiverse stuff and I mean it, there could be more direct tethers anyway in the fact that uh, obviously the Watcher actually gets more involved in this episode than he's done in any of the others and it, you know I think it's definitely designed like you said to try and remind us of how important she is as a character and yes, okay, it's an alternate universe and things might have gone differently. But really, th this this story, even more than the others, is trying to make, remind us of certain key aspects of Doctor Strange's backstory, I think, before we get to the next film. You know, remind us of, of quite what happened. I think and what, one of the things I didn't really understand was, you know, he, he goes to the Mystic Arts place in the, in the film, if I remember rightly, when he loses the use of his hands... And he's lost this great... Because he's obviously an arrogant sod at the very beginning and, you know, all this kind of thing. But what got him there after Christine's death? I don't really understand how... I was sitting there thinking, well, why why did he still go? What got him there? I didn't really understand how that happened the same way because they sort of skip through those beats, you know, where he goes there and there's the ancient one and all this kind of stuff. They sort of skip all that in a quick sort of montage So because we know, you know... But that was one of the points of uh, for me. I was a bit like, well, well, why would this go exactly the same way after Christine dies? You know, I, so so there were there were little things. I mean, these are minor points, and ultimately, it's it's about the the point of the story is about Doctor Strange 
being such a powerful being in theory that if he lost control of that completely, then the universe could literally be destroyed. And that's, you know, that's the point of this whole story. And I think that's why it's it's making the point. I mean, it could also be, if we're theorising, it could also be a nod towards what he might have to stop Wanda doing. Because if you think about it, Wanda has gone through this exact same thing. You know, the whole the whole arc of her becoming Scarlet Witch is that she's lost the person she loves and she's not able to go, save him. Now, even though she's tried, and it's, ter- it's putting her on more of a dark path. So it could well be that in our universe, Doctor Strange has to try and prevent Wanda doing essentially the same kind of thing and destroying the universe. And, you know, in the comics, a similar kind of thing caused her to literally, like, reshape... In House of M stuff, it caused her to literally reshape the entire universe... <laughs> you know and change everything and so you know um who knows what they're going to do but i I feel like it i feel like this what if is more directly potentially going to have an impact even in a thematic way to what will actually happen in the quote-unquote sacred timeline than any of the others yet yeah i mean I, i i agree and i think that what this is doing i think this is actually working as a little sort of low level primer yeah for what can happen you know, it's 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 not necessarily that we will see parallels or that we'll see, um, you know, Strange going down the same kind of path or, or you know, not even necessarily that Christine will, you know, st- still be the love of his life or anything. I mean, I'm, who knows exactly what they'll do with the fine details. But I think, yeah, this is working as a bit of a primer conceptually. Uh, so it's going to say, well, look, you know, you, you don't be surprised when this kind of stuff, when we do this kind of thing, when we go in that kind of direction, when characters take these kind of swerves and left curves. And uh, because, it, you know, it's a it's a big ask to, to get character, you know, in, in comics, you know, so much happens in the comics and so much has happened that when you suddenly get an episode where, sorry, you suddenly get a, a an issue, a comics book story where one of the main superheroes that we've loved for years suddenly goes super evil because, you know, they turned left instead of right. You kind of go with it because also you always know that they're going to come back and be good again because that's the nature of comics. In the films, asking people to make those leaps can be a little bit trickier. So if you've got a film where suddenly, you know, suddenly Steve Rogers turns around and says, oh, hail Hydra (laughs) all along. Um, it's it's kind of difficult to sell that because people think, oh no, we've only got 90 minutes left. Is he going to be good? Is he going to be bad? What happens? So I think TV shows and especially the kind of like the what if, I think that's a good way to kind of like suggest to maybe a a less comic book familiar audience to suggest that these things could happen, to, to open their eyes to the concept of these characters going down these paths. And uh, yeah, I think if, you know, one division is a great example that, you know, if you had, if you'd had, you know, Endgame had happened and then the next movie had just been Wonder going bad, mm. it might have been a more difficult sell. But you have the TV show and it kind of shows the depth and the reasons and it's not really bad. It's more pain and it's torture and she doesn't want to do bad things, but she does bad things. So if you then have a similar kind of uh, character moment in a film, people have kind of been they've been kind of warmed up to the idea and i think this episode is def i think maybe we're both getting at the same thing i think that this episode whilst in itself i think is a great episode i think it's really really good and it does stand alone 
I also think that it's doing a lot of heavy lifting for the future of the MCU. There's, there's one point in particular. No, I, I agree. And there's one point in particular, I think, that suggests this. When the Ancient One talks about how Christine's death is a fixed point in time, an absolute point in time. Now, that's, that seems like a crucial thing to con, because it's the first time they've suggested these things. It's a very Doctor Who idea. But I'm surprised Loki didn't actually do um, in that. But, lo- but the whole idea of a fixed point in time... Um, you know, in Doctor Who, it was stuff like the Time War, wasn't it? Although, wasn't that undone in the end? Wasn't that? <laughs> I can't Everything can't gets undone in Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I can't remember. But um, yeah, they talk about fixed point in times, like absolute points in time where, that cannot be changed. And Christine's death is one of them. Now, it makes me wonder if that's across the multiverse. You know, that might be a wink towards the fact that she might well die in Multiverse of Madness because he can't save her in any any timeline potentially. It just hasn't happened yet in ours. You know, in this in this one, it was it was the car crash. But in that one, in our one, it might well be to come. And I, in fact, I would put money on that. If I'm honest, um, it would not surprise me at all. And I think it, it, it's a, it's a. I think that's going to be a crucial thing to come as we explore time and the and the multiverse. Because if there are these absolute points that can't be changed, I mean, it could account for maybe why in the trailer for No Way Home, where it looks like Doctor Strange has an accident and essentially you know unleashes multiple multiverse villains on (laughs) on on our timeline it could be that because it seems like he's trying to change spider-man being revealed that maybe that's a fixed point in time too and that he can't actually in trying to do that he with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Breaks the multiverse, essentially. And that could be leading into the film. So I think, I think we're, in, in, we're into some crucial stories for Doctor Strange right now that are potentially leading to whatever's going to happen in his movie. Where maybe, maybe he has to save. I mean, it could be that that film is where he repairs the multiverse, but everything's different. And that that could lead into things changing. It could lead into certain, you know, key things we we knew being different after that film. I mean, who knows? I mean, we don't know. But it, it, I think this kind of story in What If is an example of how, in trying to change these fixed points, these absolute points, it can cause absolute chaos and can cause the destruction of everything. And I think that's going to be a really important key to uh, this could well be the most important episode of what if in the first season for that reason i think it could i think what is what is lovely about the mcu uh, and i think everything you've just said there is kind of like really feeds into this is that you know i'm i'm a big comic book fan you know before i came to these movies i i massive comic book fan so for me it's always been this this wonderful experience of seeing how they do certain things and how they adapt things and what 
you know what what where they 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 approach stuff but obviously the the most amazing thing that the MCU has done is to to get this whole new audience and to create this whole new audience of people who were never interested or aware of comic books and what they're constantly doing which i think is the genius of of the MCU overreaching in in everything they do films tv everything is that they are constantly educating the audience as to what can happen next and how it can happen and it's it's been beautifully done over the years just with you know with the way that they introduce Thor so that introduces a little bit of space stuff and then they introduce Guardians which gives you some of the weird cosmic stuff and then they introduce Doctor Strange which gives you the magic stuff and you couldn't like bombard an audience with all this stuff you know if if the first MCU movie had been Doctor Strange people would have expected oh. something very different yeah, but yeah, yeah. the yeah. first MCU movie is Iron Man which is sort of grounded and and so I think that the, the beauty of it is that they are constantly educating the audience about what to expect, what could happen and what comes next. And they do it beautifully. Yeah. And I think, yeah, this is a this really is an episode of two because the previous three. Sure, they've kind of like tapped into the concept of the multiverse and it's kind of showing us, yeah, there could be different versions of characters in different places. Thumbs up, bingo, we get it. But this one, yeah, like you say, it introduces the concept of fixed points. It introduces uh, the, you know, the, the concept of, you know, good characters as out and out villains a lot more. And I think it really, it really, well, I, like I said before, I think it's doing a lot of heavy lifting. I think it's going to be a narrative linchpin episode. Although I will say, so like, not not a criticism of the episode because I did love it, but it was it it was kind of in terms of what it was doing. It is a little bit of a been there, done that, you know, time loops, saving a, a you know a, a dead lover. Um, it's not the most original story that, that they've <laughs> ever done in the MCU. Oh, no. It's not the mo you know, like we've mentioned Doctor Who. You know, Doctor Who done stuff like mm. this. You know. It's a little bit. I mean, Bill Murray never absorbed demon tentacles, but you know, it's it's a bit Groundhog Day, so it's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The time. It's a very a time loop story in many ways. You know, at least the first part of it is. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, love a time loop. Love I, I, I want to do yeah. a whole <laughs> podcast one day on time loop stories and time travel stories. That that's it. That's in my future. I absolutely am going to do a time travel podcast. But you've got to do six episodes, but each episode is exactly <laughs> the same. Yeah, yeah. That just put record one episode and put in, it out exactly. in a six that, week You know that, that would or maybe with the slightest of change somewhere, and people have to try and find it. Do you know what? I think if I did that, I'd have, I'd have peaked and I'd give up. <laughs> I'd quit after that, Rob. I think that would be it. <laughs> But no, you're right. I think you're, you've, you've described that really well there in that the MCU has very organically got us to this point, you know, and, and it, it's, it's managed to take hold our hand over the last 10 plus years and say, we're going to take you from what you understand a comic book store, film to be that we've had for years now, since Superman in 1978, all the way through. And then we're going we're gonna to take you by the hand and we're going to show you that, that actually, if we're creating a universe, these comic book universes are not just a guy in a suit fighting a bad guy in an alley. This is much bigger. And I think but they've earned... Th th this exists, What If episode particularly is an example of how they've earned to this to get to this point where... I mean, you know, in the end, he's fighting... I mean, when he's fighting his evil self, you know, when the Ancient One splits them in two using the dark magic, 
and he's fighting his evil self. You know, I, I was very much thinking of like Bizarro and Superman, you know, that kind of dark image of itself. So, you know, there's a, there's a got big precedence in comics for this fighting your evil twin, essentially, or the dark id. And it's done. It's tied up with all this cosmic stuff and all of these, you know, uh, you know, he even he uses at one point the crimson bands of Sitarak, which he uses. It's like a magic lasso spell that he uses against Thanos in Infinity War. Now, you know, with all these little details are placed in there that are references to things that we've seen in the MCU. I mean, you know, when I think about the fight against Thanos and particularly the, the one, ones in Infinity War as well, you know, when I look back at the fight on Titan, you know, Infinity War, where Strange is using all of these magic spells and Thanos literally pulls a moon down with his hand and throw, And you think, you know, wow. You think about <laughs> it and you think, this is mad. Like, this is absolutely bonkers. And it, but it's fantastically done. I mean, I think Infinity War is one of the best things they've ever done. And I, I stand by that. I think that's a fantastic movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I'm I love it to you, bits. Yeah. And, you know, so they've really got to the point where they've earned a story like this and earned being able to throw all of these magic ideas, all of these spells, all of this supremely cosmic stuff. Yet they always try and ground it in a a realistic human emotion, an understandable emotion. Doctor Strange ends up becoming lost because the love of his life he can't save. And that, I mean, that is, like you say, it's a classic story that has been done in fiction for years and years and years. And you understand the motivation even if a lot of the cosmic stuff and, and the, the little beats and the little details pass you by, you understand the tragic motivation of this story. And I think that's, as much as the fridging thing is a problem, and I do agree, now you've said it, I understand the logic behind the emotion, even if I think the, 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 the story's a bit of a cheat, in a way, uh, like I've said. Yeah, and I think that it's, it is the, the kind of the bedrock of all the MCU stories is that everything is based on on human emotion, human experience, and these are things that we can relate to. And it's like, I, I can't relate to absorbing demons or casting spells or splitting really? myself in two. But I can relate to... You've no, no, that. I'm getting old wrong. now. I've had a kid. Don't have time. <laughs> Don't have time for that. Don't. Yeah, when you were a youth. <laughs> if I could... Just, top time when I need to do a nappy change that'd be amazing <laughs> but but obviously I I can relate to you know to at least a lost love you know a kind of like you know even if it's down to that feeling after a, a breakup you know there's that's just just enough it's just enough or the concept of, of losing someone you know tragically you know you you know we've all got we've all got these little moments that we can sort of place in there and as long as those exist in the storytelling the the pulling down moons the stopping time the flinging shields all of this stuff it, it becomes almost secondary to that to that human emotion story and that that's you know i think that's obviously why the mcu has become mm, so successful mm, i do i think uh, that's why you know that that human that human uh human story that yeah, they're telling it's never become too out there for people to lose that attachment, and that's the that's the skill of it, you know, and why it endures, and why I think it will endure for years to come. Before we talk about maybe the Watcher at the end, because I think that's a big important point, shall I throw a few Easter eggs at you? Things that maybe you've noticed. Oh, go for I've it! Found. Yes. So, when Strange learns about Christine's death on the news, the newscaster is a character called Christine Everhart, played by Leslie Bibb, who was in Iron Man One and Two, and she's the reporter who Tony Stark sleeps with I think and she's trying to get the story on him 
and the same actor doing the voice. And I was quite impressed with that in this episode, in that they get back. Not all of the episodes have had all of the cast, but in this they get back Cumberbatch, they get back McAdams, they get back Tilda Swinton. You know, and I was like, this is good. This is this is all of the voices. You know, and I'm guessing it's because they all have relatively enough to do. I mean, that's the re- reason I think you didn't hear Chris Evans, you didn't hear Chris Pratt, because maybe they their characters weren't as important to the narrative as the other characters. That's why I think they weren't there. I think also though, it's like this is a this is a core cast of British actors. And British actors, they'll they'll do anything for the money. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like Chris Probably Evans is there. They say, Chris, can you come and do some voice work? It'll take a, an afternoon. It's like, how much is it? It's like this much. It's like, nah, it's not nah. worth it. Whereas like Cumberbatch, <laughs> it's like, how much is it? Uh, it's 40 quid and breakfast. It's like, yeah, I'll be there. Fine. <laughs> That's what it is. You might British be right. actors will do anything. You, you might be right because <laughs> Scarlett Johansson didn't come back for Black Widow and she was the main character in that episode last week. So you are yeah. right there. Had that been a British actor, <laughs> I think they'd have been there with bells on. You know what? Like, not not to get boring and not to interrupt your flow, but but perhaps there is a slight element that... Because I actually think that the, the voice performances this week are also the the best they've been, like, overall. Like, the, the performances are superb. And I do wonder how much of that is to do with the fact that, that British actors are a bit more akin to crossing those battles. Let's, let's, let's not beat around the bush. Sebastian Stan was shit. Yeah, he was. In, in the first... He, he was. He was shit. He was, I thought that. I was like, this is um, awful. It was in, it, it was, <laughs> it that was 90s like video game. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's awful. But the, um, but the British actors... I think have all been been really good, and in this one in particular, like outstanding performance, especially from from Benedict Cumberbatch. Well, he's done a lot of radio, but I do he? wonder. So, well, this is exactly it. It's like he's done he's done so much radio, and I do wonder I do wonder how much that you know the the sort of the split disciplines because you know Chris Evans, you know, obviously wasn't in it, but Chris Evans is not an actor who's done much voice work. Uh, you know, he might have done the done the odd cartoon and stuff. So sorry, that's a side thought. I, I interrupted your flow. No, no, no. It's a good point. Yeah, I think you might have a. I think if Chiwetel Ejiofor had been in this, I think if Baron Mordo had been in, I think he'd have been equally as good. To be fair, oh, for the yeah, same absolutely. reason. Uh, in fact, I'm looking forward to seeing him back again because he's a great actor, and I think it'll be really good to see that character. Again. Oh, I love him. Yeah, um, I love him. He's brilliant. It when when Strange is absorbing all of these monsters. I mean, I when I, when when he was doing that, I thought I bet half of these are. Marvel monsters that like, so, but I haven't seen anything about those yet. But I, I'm sure there are people out there who could name all of those monsters that he absorbs, and I'm sure there's callbacks that are go go. But the one that I think was pretty clear, and it calls back to what if itself, is that it seems like it's the same tentacled monster that Peggy fights in the first episode. Yes, and and a lot of people have wondered if this is Shuma Garath, uh, a mythical one-eyed multiversal tentacle monster who often clashes with Doctor Strange in the comics, but. It's not particularly named, but it looked like the same thing. In fact, I half expected Peggy to jump through the portal <laughs> with her shield. Uh, <laughs> because, in fact, there is, there is, I'm sure, there is a clip in one of the trailers where Strange is talking to Peggy and he says, who are you? So I think we're going to see him again. I think there's going to be another, like, Doctor Strange-ish episode. Maybe brings them all together. It might be the finale. And I think they're all going to come together. I've got a feeling that, that, that this is going to happen um, down the road. But we'll see. I, yeah... 
I think I think you could be I think you could be onto something. I mean, I've not I, I've not watched all the trailers. I, I sort of try and try and avoid when I can. But I'm assuming that they're going to create something of a through line, even if it's just one or two characters, to sort of you know maybe point us in the direction of the next yeah, movie. Yeah. Um, so I think you could I think you could be right maybe. there. Maybe something. Maybe I don't know. The character, he fight, when he goes to the library of Castrioso, um, the character, the librarian he finds, Obeng, is actually Cagliostro. Um, and he's a character in the comics who studied the Darkhold, which is the book that Wanda gets at the end of WandaVision, that you see her thumbing through, and presumably is going to play a big part in, uh, yeah, in the next movie. So that's another little wink. When Wong places the protection spell over Strange, which actually was a very good spell, that really, really lasts a long time. It did last a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's called, he calls it the Guardian Vishanti, and in the comics, the Vishanti are a trio of beings who help the Sorcerer Supreme. So that could be another wink to something we'll see later on. Also, when uh, evil Doctor Strange absorbs our Strange, as, as such, or the good Strange, um, his magic turns from green to red, which symbolises chaos magic, which is, again, is what Scarlet Witch is wielding as well. So these could all be little winks. Those are a few I saw that could all be little winks to things to come or little nods to the to the MCU itself, which is interesting. But let's wrap up talking about The Watcher then, because this is obviously quite a crucial point here. The Watcher actually engages with a character, and he doesn't... So far, he's just been very Rod Serling. He's come on, he's done the... You know, this week <laughs> in the Twilight Zone, what would happen if, you know, which is great. And Jeffrey Wright is just perfect <laughs> for this. Imagine a mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this universe. Alone on a busy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful. And he's been fab. You know, it's been a great anchor. And seeing visions of stray, of uh, the Watcher, you mm. know, in the background of mirrors and, you know, puddles and all that. Wonderful. Oh, beautifully So done. well done yeah. and really clever. Beautiful. But in this, obviously, he interacts. And Strange says, you know, I've read about you. I know who you are. Um, you can help, and he says, and he and he he wonders about doing it, doesn't he? And I think this is going to be quite interesting. Do we think that this is suggesting, well, a that he might well interfere at some point in one of these stories, and b might we see him in a future Doctor Strange movie? Actually, Jeffrey Wright as Uatu the Watcher in a live action story. Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think everything we've been saying about how how these shows educate the audience and they kind of like give us a little bit so that we can understand things and things make sense later i think that's exactly what this was was doing it was planting the seed so three three great episodes three brilliant episodes where the watcher is sort of beautifully realized in just this narration and and it's a little bit different for us as an audience as well you know the mcu tend not to use narrators no. in that kind of way you know he is talking directly to mm, us as an mm. audience so it's kind of breaking the fourth wall uh, I have to say, I had a I had a weird moment actually. You know, earlier in the episode where where Strange notices oh, yeah, yeah. the Watcher, mm. he kind of like c clocks him, which is beautifully yeah, really, done. Fantastic really little moment. Um, and it was, but it was really weird for me watching it because it was almost it was almost like he was breaking the fourth wall. Because mm. like, because we know the Watcher is there, and the Watcher is there for us. And uh, suddenly, and I was for a split second, I was like, "Shit! Does does Doctor Strange know that I'm watching? <laughs> like, does he know that we're yeah. here? You know, how how far are they going to take this? Are mm. we going to go Deadpool style? <laughs> you know, meta. So I think it it it's fantastically done. Um, yeah, the way it's introduced, 
And I think it is. I think it is just so that we as an audience know that the Watcher isn't just Rod Serling. It isn't just the narrator. It's like he is a character who exists in the MCU. He has abilities, powers, and he has the, you know, he has the capacity to interact. And, uh, you know, we're probably not going to see that happen again now until... I'm assuming the finale. I'm assuming the finale is going to be a bit more of a shit-hits-the-fan kind of a story. And, yeah, I think it could be whether he turns up in, in the next Doctor Strange movie or not. I'm not sure. But I think he's definitely being positioned to be an actual player. It, you know, because obviously, you know, the MCU we've seen kind of like with Loki and, and you know, with, with WandaVision... Um, we are shifting into the real, cos you know, we've got the Eternals coming. The real cosmic stuff is coming, and you know, the sort of the fights of gods and monsters. So I think it, I think it's definitely positioning him to have a, a greater impact and influence in the ongoing story. And it's definitely educating us as an audience to be prepared for that, or to be expecting, or at least wanting that. Yeah. And I think it was interesting when Strange says, you know, you can you're a god, you can change this and he says I am not a god. And that that's that's important thing to put because he look if in in all in all appearances he is like god. He is like a cosmic god being, you know, he can see everything, you know, he he, he will stand like the classic Christian god. I get involved, it's up to you. You can fuck it all up. I'm just staying here. Like that kind of thing. But yeah. It, it, the, in the comics, there is the constant battle for, for the Watcher of should I, shouldn't I? You know, and he's constantly in torment about this throughout when you, if you read a lot of the comics. Um, and I think that there, it will be very interesting if, if there's a scenario, and it could well be Doctor Strange 2, the film, if there's a scenario where, I mean, because you could very easily just have Jeffrey Wright appear as, a, as himself, as a normal looking human being you know, as the Watcher, and then, he, you know, do you know what I mean? You could still do that. It doesn't have to look like the Watcher in the comics. It could be, he could, you know, because they, as I mentioned before on one of the others, you know, the whole the whole uh, fan theory was that Stan Lee was the Watcher for years, you know, and that's why he kept popping up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think they even, they made, they nodded to that in Guardians 2, I think, didn't they? They sort of had him on a cosmic rock or something. To, you know. Well, they um, can yeah, he's, he's basically, uh, a, yeah, sort of a... a messenger yeah, of the Watcher, yeah. isn't he? so he's sort of linked to that so you know th there's the idea that I'm sure the Watcher could come down and he could look, just look like Jeffrey Wright and I think you know you cast cast someone like that a really you know a, a prolific character actor who's in so many of these pop culture things who everyone knows his voice he's got a very distinctive voice Jeffrey Wright now you know it would be fantastic to see him as him you know as the actor in the MCU and I, I think it could happen in live action so maybe this is a wink to the fact that at some point... I mean, it's that whole classic thing, isn't it? If you create a character who is agonising over whether they should interfere in the in the universe, he's obviously going to do it. At some point, like, it's of going course. to happen, isn't it? You know, it's and that's the payoff we're going to wait for. God, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Chekhov's God. Oh, you create that's, that's a term that's got to stick here. Definitely. It is Chekhov's God. It is. Yeah, you've got to fire that gun at some point. And I think it's... You know, I think it's going to happen somewhere. And I, and this is a great example of actually for audiences who don't necessarily know the law of the Watcher and are learning it with what if particularly. It's like, oh, wow, he, what, he can he can talk. Like, so I think it's going to be very cool when at whatever point, and, you know, it might well be way down the line because what if's already got a second series. So it could well be that he doesn't interfere yet, you know, and it's way down the line. But I thought it was very good. I thought they did it very well without tipping the hat of too much. And, you know, 
and then allowing for an ending which is bleak to the extreme and one of those things that you just couldn't do in any other show where Strange's, you know, warped, twisted inability to let go of this destroys his universe, you know, and there's been some debate as to, as to what happens there, but I, I, I think it's pretty clear that universe is gone because of what, what he did and I think that's quite a powerful and very bleak way to end it, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's interesting because I think we've had four episodes so far and I think we've basically had, we've had two kind of like semi-tragic but hopeful endings and we've actually had two bleak endings. It's like, because that little sort of like, that little kind of like wink-wink scene of ego at the end of the second episode and the watcher's kind of like, oh well, maybe this ends the entire world. It's like, it's, it's kind of funny and we've just seen like T'Challa and everyone's kind of like, yay, we're all happy, we're back <laughs> together, we saved everything. And then it's like, no, no, but don't forget, if Peter didn't go to space, he doesn't stop Ego. Everybody dies. It's like, I, I quite like that. That was, for me, that was a wonderful what-if moment. Possibly why the second episode still is at my, my top spot. Because it was this whole story, then, then you go, yeah, but don't forget... It, it's going to go bad because of this. Now, obviously, I'm sure other people could have stopped Ego, blah, 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 blah. But I like that that was actually sort of a bit, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. That's, that, this this, universe, this yeah. universe is doomed. Whereas the, the first and the third episode, although very sad things happen, you know, Peggy getting, getting shifted in time and so many of the Avengers dying, it still ends with that kind of that positive, but the mm. next, fa- you know, mm. we're going we're gonna to get past this. This one was far more definitively, um, you know, the second episode is sort of like wink, wink, it's all going to go bad. But this was far more definitive in its sense of like, yeah, he tried this, didn't work, fucked up. This is the the result of his, his hubris. And sure, it's like we don't we don't see him wink out of existence. So I'm sure... It, you know, if they wished to, maybe this is what they're going to do. But if they wanted to, they could have a, a narrative strand that starts with him basically removing himself from that, you know, that, that tiny bubble before his universe blinks out. Yeah, Doctor Strange could shift himself into a universe, mm. our, mm. you know, main MCU universe, some other universe where Christine's alive. You can do that. Of course you can do that. It's comics. He can do what he likes. You know, we could do, we could do whatever we want. Personally, the narrative as I watched it, as I finished, uh, I, I felt that this was it. He was done for and that universe was was dead. And if we never see anything else from that universe and that version of Strange, yeah. I will be very happy. If they do switch it round and, and, you know, and he somehow removes himself from that, that pocket, that bubble. Um, sure. No problem. You know, that's how comics work. Wolverine's died so many times in the comic. <laughs> Steve has died so many times in the comic. I'm used to it. Even Superman but died and came back. This feels Even like Dennis the Menace changed his outfit. <laughs> but this feels like a very clear cautionary tale story. And in the classic vein of Twilight Zone, where you know you'd end a Twilight Zone and the characters are doomed and you know they're dead and you never see them again, and you know something terrible's about to happen. And I think this is exactly it. I think it's a cautionary tale. They have the they have the beauty of with this format being able to. If they want to do another Doctor Strange story in a different universe, they can and start from zero again or whatever. And I think this the whole point of it is to show, yeah, he's hubris. And I think particularly from what we see in the Spider-Man trailer, where it looks like he's going to make majorly fuck up, then it's it's a it's maybe a nod to what we're going to see later. And maybe he's going to realise that this cosmic power definitely is not to be trifled with. 
and he's maybe gets a bit too arrogant in himself and his power and his skill, and he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be brought up short there, and he's gonna realise actually, I have a lot of power and I've got to use it very carefully here. And I, th- I think so. I think this is gonna be quite a crucial episode for that, you know, for that story really, for that overall Doctor Strange story so, to come. So what you're saying is that Doctor Strange needs to learn that with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. <laughs> Well, maybe. Hmm. And I wonder how that <laughs> might tie in. Um, <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap it up then. This has been this has been a lot of fun, Rob, to talk some uh, Marvel with you. Let's do it again at some point on Podcast Six One Six. Definitely. Let's reconvene um, and have another chat. So until we do. Uh, or, or and, and you know until we return for more podcast six one six next week with all new hosts, where can people find you and what you're up to? Uh, well, number one place to go for me is uh, my OnlyFans account, <laughs> where I don't obviously. <laughs> yeah, because you know OnlyFans is all just very sort of very sort of comic booky people, isn't it? Geeks. Yeah, yeah it's just it's just me talking about comics. Only yeah, comic yeah, fans. We're all gonna make a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but my, so Twitter is the best place to start off. Um, so I'm four ducks, F O R D U C K S, on Twitter, and that's where I basically um, promote, pimp out whatever else it is that I'm doing. Uh, but on the We Made This Network, I've got the um, uh, You Have Been Watching podcast with yourself that we've recently launched. Plus, I'm I'm you know I guest on various like as I have done today. Um, I guest on various other shows there with other people. So. Um, I'm I'm out and about. I'm 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 slowly building my uh, my yeah. empire. Man, man about town, definitely. Um, <laughs> so, so to speak. Um, <laughs> you can find me at uh, AJ Black Writer on Twitter. Um, uh, my, my only fans are shut down now. I've moved my service somewhere else. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but uh, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I, I can be found, obviously, on We Made This uh, at WMT underscore network. And you can find my website with uh, my blog and my books on there at uh, thetruthisinhere.co.uk. So find me all over those kind of spaces. But thanks for joining us, everyone, for another episode. Uh, and as I say, remember, we're part of the We Made This podcast network. Please subscribe to Podcast 616 and give us a rating and five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and if you want to help out our network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. If you go to Patreon dot com forward slash we made this but what if is not all we're discussing so we'll give you a taste of what else you might have missed on the network in just a minute Uh, we will see you next time on podcast 616 as we're gonna have a look at the brand new movie shang chi the legend of the ten rings so that's gonna be very exciting Um, but after that we will then continue to invite you to join us as we journey into the unknown and ponder the question what if Elsewhere on We Made This. Free with this month's issue. This is Fruit Tree and Red Flower Girl. Uh, this is a band that are so fucking difficult to Google because they've got such a generic name. Uh, I was trying to Google Fruit Tree Metal Band and ended up with a load of results for like little metal bands to attach fruit trees to stick wow. to and grow. Oh, right. Send me a link to those. The name being so generic, as I was doing my research, Esme from Hide From Time podcast 
had put up a post on Twitter about she was trying to do research for her forthcoming episode that she was doing where there's a, a black metal band called Spiral Staircase and she was trying to Google black metal spiral staircase and just getting black metal spiral staircases, yep. which I thought was quite funny because it was exactly the same situation. Yeah. Right, I'm glad someone else suffered the same pain as you. Yes, um, absolutely. They were fantastically on Casket, which is the record label that offered my old yeah. band a deal as well, and we did not take it. Right in the childhood. But what I will say is... I did like watching Hannah Montana the first or second time. When we had to watch the same episodes over and over again, that was when young Fraser was not very happy about that. For some reason, I've grown out of that. I'll re-watch stuff over and over again. Like, I don't, I can't count how many times I've watched How I Met Your Mother. But a younger Fraser did I can count how many times I've watched How I Met Your Mother. Once. Each episode, one time. And do you know how many times I intend to watch each episode? Just once. One time. Real talk. We made this movie show. You know, with, with, all, of the, with all the water around, you know, like... Uh, we're in a noir. I want to see steaming streets. You know, have the you know have the the streets with all this um, with all this moisture. Uh, you know, uh, ha- have that evaporating during the day and in, in in the intense heat. Like you know, represent some of this stuff a little bit more visually because you know it felt like she went halfway or three quarters of the way to a lot of this really cool stuff and it didn't quite cross the finish line with some of it. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. Thank you.